Built Not Born, episode 50. I'm Joe Chicarone. Today's guest is Alexandra De Palma. Alexandra De Palma is the podcast whisperer. She's an executive producer, an editor, a consultant, and an educator. Alex is the co-founder of Domino Sound and an executive producer of the hit podcast, Food for Thought, which Oprah Magazine called one of the best podcasts of 2021. Alex, alongside best-selling author and marketing guru, Seth Godin, lead the seven-week podcasting workshop, a workshop that has taught hundreds, me included, podcasters of going from nothing, from listening to podcasts, to having their own podcast. I'm so excited to get Alex on the show. Alex and I talk creativity, why everyone is creative. We speak of the power of learning in a community and why we all need to develop the courage to share our best work with the world. We're so excited to have Alex on the show. She is an amazing teacher. She has phenomenal ideas on creativity, on podcasting. She's worked with some of the most famous people in the country producing podcasts and TV shows. She's worked for CNN, Minnesota Public Radio. She is outstanding. So excited she came on the show for episode number 50. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please hit the follow button. We have a bunch of cool interviews like this one to come. Enjoy my conversation with Alexandra De Palma, executive producer, consultant, educator, and a phenomenal teacher. And remember, life is built, not born. Alex De Palma, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It is an honor to have you. Alex, for our listeners yes. who may not be familiar with you and your work, who are you and what do you do? So I am a podcast producer. That's the main thing. I produce podcasts with my company that I run with my partner, Kenya. It's called Domino Sound. It's a production company where we're really focused on storytelling from a marginalized lens. So people who are queer people, people of color, people who may not typically be represented in the podcasting community, we are focused on telling those stories and working with that, those people. So we do a lot of podcasts centered on that. And additionally, I teach podcasting. That's one of the things I love the most is teaching. And I basically learned that through teaching a workshop with Seth Godin. And I met all kinds of incredible people through teaching that workshop, yourself included. <laughs> so the podcasting workshop, we'll get into it later. But the podcasting workshop is a workshop that basically teaches podcasting completely from scratch. And once you graduate, if you're as studious as you are, you might come out with a podcast that has 50 plus episodes. One couldn't <laughs> happen without you. Yeah. Uh, so it's an honor to have you on the show. Thank and you so much. I want to get, get into all that. I want to get into yeah. for thought. Yes. Uh, one that one of the podcasts that you produced that Oprah said was one of the best book yes. podcast back in 2019. That's <laughs> uh, so cool. Uh, yeah. With Seth Godin, which yes. is a killer podcast, the Kimbo. Yeah. Your work at Domino Sound, all that yeah. amazing stuff, especially the podcasting workshop. Yeah. The seven week cohort where I met you that you yeah. led that brought, bring people from nothing to a podcast. <sighs> yeah. That's so cool. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> it is. But before we go there, mm -hmm. I want to start back all the way from the beginning. Okay. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in outside of New Haven, Connecticut, 
in a town called Bramford. You're Italian. I can tell from your last name. So I bring it up because I'm also Italian and grew up in a really Italian community there. I think like when I went off to college in New York City, my parents laugh at this still because I just assumed that everyone was Italian. I, I called them after my first week freshman year and I was like, I guess not everyone has last names like me and you. You know what I mean? It was definitely a culture shock. So that was where I grew up. And I grew up with my parents and my sister in a little house on the water in East Haven in, in Connecticut, just on, on Long Island Sound and like a working class neighborhood that was really, really fun and enjoyable. And it was a great upbringing. I only have positive things to say about it. So there's something about growing up on the water. Yeah. I mean, what was that like? like yeah. You, there, you see the I water mean, all the time. I think that's, well, we had talked a little bit about early memories. And I think that is definitely when we talk about early memories. I don't know about you. I know that you grew up in the Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah Ocean yeah, yeah. City. Ocean yeah. City. So so the, the memories like that are strongest are very much like waking up first thing in the morning going out to the beach as a really young child and just not coming in until until you're hungry or until yeah. the sun goes down and just being out all day. And I yeah. it's very much one of those things where I don't know, I guess I want I I hope that people can have that experience where it's kind of you're just independent out there doing your own thing yeah. and it's safe, you know? So yeah, so absolutely. those are kinds of memories of that. Yeah. And there's something about the water like you mentioned like mm-hmm. you know, New York Crowded, mm-hmm. Jersey mm-hmm. crowded, like sitting on the boardwalk in Ocean City at 4th right. of July with 13,000 people behind you. Sounds so nice. You're still zen. It's still exactly, still, exactly. It's food, right? Yeah, no, it's amazing. Actually, like when COVID happened, I, I moved out of Brooklyn and moved back home for a few months. And that was, it was just like, it was such a different experience than living in Brooklyn because on my lunch break or something, I would go take a dip in Long Island Sound, which Long Island Sound is not by any means like the best body of water there is, but it was amazing. Like it's it's just, it's really, (laughs) it's really, really nice. So yeah, we're both, we're both water people. So yeah, I mean, that's definitely. It's funny. You mentioned about growing up, you thought everyone was Italian. I grew up, I went to an all Italian grade school, no lie out of Philly. (laughs) And you had to be Italian to go there. And are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. To eighth grade. And I did not know there was St. Patrick's day to ninth grade. (laughs) Are you serious? There wasn't a clover in that school. And then we go, and we go to ninth grade and you see all these clovers in March. And and like my grandparents were from Italy and knowing her, I'd never heard of St. Patrick's day. Right. And like, what are these these clovers in March coming? That is so funny till ninth grade. Where are your grandparents from? Do you know? Uh, So my mom's side is from Sicily. My dad's side is from outside of Rome. Okay. Okay. So I asked because I'm planning in September to go. I just found out like the town that my family is from. And it's like, it's not, it's, it's by Naples. It's actually the smallest town in Italy. I found out and I'm going there to get my grandmother's birth certificate so that I can work on citizenship. So I'm trying to get Italian citizenship to be spending time there, you know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So you look back at that time frame. uh, Mm -hmm. who was your biggest influence as a kid? Okay. So I've been thinking about this lately, I think, because in a way, I think my biggest influence was my dad in the sense that I realize now growing up, like I'm grown up now, but talking with friends about their own journeys in terms of career and worldview and stuff like that. And in a lot of ways, I think people talk a lot about being pressured by their parents. And that can be a very negative experience in a lot of ways. And basically, my parents never pressured me to do shit. It it was not any sense of like, 
we want you to become a doctor. We want you to become a lawyer. We expect this. It was very much freedom in that sense. And for a while, I kind of like felt a little regretful that they didn't push me in a more specific direction because I don't know, that would be nice if they were just like, do this. And then it was all figured out for you. But now I see that was actually kind of lucky, you know, being able to just figure it out on your own and not having those expectations that can be difficult to uphold. So in that sense, I think that kind of freedom from my parents, specifically my dad was the most influential thing. If that that makes sense. Oh yeah. Cause with that freedom, it's kind of ties up to where I hope to take the conversation. Yeah. Freedom comes creativity, right? Right. Because if someone says, do this, you're like a cog in the system. Like, hey, do this, this way. But now it's like, you're free. Then all of a sudden you're on the hook then. Right. You have to decide which way to go. And exactly. And those were the moments where I was like, damn, I wish my parents had just put me on a path. You know what I mean? But in, in retrospect, of course, that was, it was much better in a way that they didn't. So yes, absolutely. At what age do you remember the word creative? When did you first realize, you know what, not only do I like to consume content or watch movies or read books, I like to produce things. I like I'm a creative type. What what age do you remember that coming about? Well, it's actually interesting that you bring this up because I very much still, I actually did Yesterday was Sunday and we're recording here on a Monday and I have a, a big meditation day with three friends and we went to the park and set some intentions and all kinds of stuff like that. But basically I, my intention was to really try and see myself as more creative, like even at this point, because I think in a lot of ways, I still, I see myself of course, as a producer and producers are of course creative. There's no question. I would be like categorized as a creative, but I think sometimes I do still need to like do the work of tapping into creativity, you know? And I think like as a podcast producer, it it is like we're producing content and we're making content that's out there, but in a lot of ways, it can also be logistics kind of, you know? And it's like, I, I actually love logistics. Like, like people make fun of me for that because they're like, that's the most boring thing in the world. But I, I love doing that. You know what I mean? Like scheduling and doing this and doing this and like being able to check things off. And so like, that is an element of production that isn't necessarily creative, but of course there are creative elements involved in all this stuff, you know? And so I think, I think to answer, that was a really roundabout way of saying, I'm still working on like that aspect of things of of like being like, I am a creative, I do have creativity and I'm not just a non-creative producer, you know? Absolutely. Um, and yeah. you, need, you need that in the creative process because sometimes the most creative people are so out there that you need to dial them in. Like, this is the, you need to have the production done by this day. Like exactly. it has to be rec- on, it has to be recorded at this day or exactly. the whole project falls apart. Even though exactly. their ideas are amazingly brilliant, you yes. have to dial it in and move the trains forward. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And that's why I think I actually love working with people more creative than me. You know what I mean? Because I do think that that collaboration, like I can feed off their potentially more natural creativity and work to shape it into something. You know what I mean? Shape it into a podcast and shape it into whatever we're shaping it into. But that, yes, yes. Everything you said. What would you say to somebody who said, you know what? I just don't think I'm that creative. I I'm also that person, you know? And so I would definitely say, I think like a step towards overcoming that in a way is like to start seeing yourself as a creative person, because we really all are. That is actually one of those things. And it does sound corny. Like it sounds corny to say, all of us are creative. All of us have that in us, but we all actually do. And Mm -hmm. I really do think that the first step in tapping into that 
is recognizing that the only reason that you're saying that is because of a limit that you're putting on yourself, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, when you say that it's just because that's what you have either been told or what your work previously has dictated to you. Maybe you haven't done anything creative yet, but I think that the podcasting workshop really, and I actually am really curious, like to know your background outside of this podcasting thing, because I think in the podcasting workshop, there are a lot of people who come from non-creative backgrounds in a sense of it'll be potentially corporate jobs, something like that. And they basically tap into their creative side through doing a project like a podcast, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think it's basically discovering that creativity. It's not just going to come like you have to actively exercise. And I think that's kind of a Seth thing. Seth Godin is like somebody that we, somebody we have in common as well, but it's not passive. Like being creative is something that you have to do a project. You have to do something, not even if you don't put it out in, like, you don't have to put it out in the world. You can do your creative journal every day. You can do your creative, like photography that you don't publish anywhere, but it's something that you actively do. It's so true. I remember the, how intimidated it was maybe 10 years ago. I, yeah. I wrote a, a blog scared me when blogs were big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wrote a blog and I hit and I started a WordPress site. I sent it out. Yeah. And then I called my mom and my wife and I said, Hey, I started a blog and I actually right. post the, the heaviest button I ever pushed was the yes. publish hovering button. over it. Yeah. 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 And it's like a hundred pounds and you can't even push. It. It's like, <laughs> yes. steel. Yes, yes, yes. It. like, Oh, I just pushed it. And the, everyone's going to make fun of me. Yeah. No yeah, one's yeah, going to yeah. read it. They're going to exactly. read it. They're going to laugh. Yes. And, uh, and, I remember what Seth always says, never look at like how many people. It's, yeah. You know, don't look at your numbers. Just, just exactly. without recourse. Right. I, the next day I had one, one person downloaded. Pretty good. Right? Pretty so good. My mom and my wife. Right. I go. <laughs> one of them. Only one of them. Read it. They both said yes. They Are both, you serious? <laughs> they both said they read it. It was great. And I'm like, one of them so reminded funny. me. I think, right. I think I know who it was. But, uh, right. the, um, but it's scary, right? The first mm-hmm. time you share something. Yeah. Very much so. Where do you think that fear comes from? I think you totally nailed it. I think the fear mainly comes from, for me and for others, is that question of what other people will think. Mm -hmm. I think that's the main thing because you're definitely, when you do something like publish your blog post or publish a podcast episode that you're hosting, or even that you produce, in my case, and a lot of times, it's this question of what are people going to think of what I just put out there? And it's very much putting yourself out there in a vulnerable way. And so it's also kind of like, you're asking for it. You know, like you're putting it out there, you're showing it to everyone because you want everyone to see it. So you're inviting in a way, sometimes I get into that thing of like, I'm inviting criticism or I invite, I'm inviting critique. Whereas I think the thing that I've realized, and it is a thing of, I think getting older and having more perspective is that at the end of the day, one, nobody really gives a shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they really, really don't like, spe- yeah. like our, like your first blog post in my first podcast episode, like nobody, nobody really cares that much. And even if they do in and, and the bigger thing, other than that is the question of like, even if they do laugh, so what, yeah. you know, it's really just like, so what? And that once again, that is something like the creativity thing that we talked about earlier, that is so much easier said than done. It's very much easier for me to sit here and say, I don't care if anyone laughs. As I, but I am sitting here, I'm producing a new podcast where I'm hosting for the first time and I'm scared as shit to put it out, you know, because I'm like, somebody's going to laugh. Somebody's going to say I shouldn't be hosting. Mm-hmm. And so it is kind of one of those things that you, again, constantly have to say to yourself, if I do this and somebody laughs, it's really not the end of the world. It actually doesn't matter at all. 
So that's kind of how I approach that these days. Yeah, no, that's a, that's some great perspective. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Let's go. I know your time's limited. Let's go into uh, the Akimbo, the podcasting workshop yes. that you lead with Seth, right? Yes. Yes. That's where we met. Seven mm-hmm. week course. Basically, mm-hmm. you go from knowing zero. Like I went from just listening to podcasts yeah. to having a podcast. Yes, following what you and, and you did it say. so well. You're such a great interviewer. You prepped me so well. You like organized. I'm I'm very impressed. Oh, oh thank you. I'm just following yeah. the game plan. <laughs> <laughs> Not even knowing what the podcast would be like, knowing yeah. nothing. Talk about why podcasting is important. Could we start with that? Like your yeah. thoughts of why podcasting still matters. With they'll say, Alex, there's two million podcasts out yeah. there. Like, why do I need one? Absolutely. And so just as like a pre I've been talking with a lot of different podcast producers, podcast creators in the past few weeks, kind of almost interviewing them really to kind of get just like hear about their position in this world that we're in to hear about what motivates them to hear about kind of the stories behind their work. And for each person, there is such a different answer about why podcasting is important. Like for instance, I was talking with somebody last week who is a spiritual person, kind of a healer. And basically they're, they're a podcast host. They host an extremely incredible podcast called A Little Juju. And she was saying that podcasts are important to her because they're kind of like an extension of oral histories. They're an extension of archives. They archive a certain space and time. They allow people to kind of document their stories. And I think for me, that's definitely holds true as well. I think podcasts are a way for people And that's the whole point of the workshop. That's what we say throughout the entire thing. Anybody can do this. And that's like, I mean, you know, you have to have access. There are privileges involved in having access to a computer and having access Mm -hmm. to those basic things. But if you have access to something we're using, we're here on our little laptops with our little plug-in headphones, you know what I mean? And you're making a podcast. So I think podcasts are important because much like blogs and Seth was somebody who drew this parallel that I hadn't seen previously they give people a voice to share their story, explore things that they're interested in, research, go deeper, anything that they want to explore, it gives people a platform for that. So I think that is why in this media landscape, really, podcasting is important because it allows people to do things on their own terms without having to go seek out funding, go seek out the best video camera or whatever else. Like there's a million other outlets. But to me, that's why podcasting is important. Yeah, so true. Thank you yeah, for sharing yeah, that. Yeah. And I love the thought, the simplicity. Thanks for noticing. Like yeah. the one thing I said to myself, if I ever was going, I think you said, I got this yeah. from you. I yeah. flat out stole it from you during the, yeah. like, the teaching. <laughs> You're like, if you start spinning your wheels, move on. Like don't, exactly. don't spin your wheels with the tech. You kept yes, saying. Yes, 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 yes. So like uh, I tried music, like uh-huh. I, it was too loud. Then it was mm-hmm. too low. Then mm-hmm. one time someone thought it sounded like Christian rock. Then someone told me it sounded like <laughs> Tony Robbins was going to come out. And okay. so I just crushed Oh, I remember it. this. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No music. So my podcast yeah. is no music because one night I stayed up for two hours after my kids went to yeah. bed. And I tried to get the music right. Yes. And it, I couldn't get it. Like I couldn't yeah. get something. Then I love like the stones. I put like a stone song and sounds like, I don't know if you could use the stone song without right. copyright. right. You know, like you can't just use <laughs> that the little thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I'm okay. Like I couldn't make it work, so I just moved on. Yeah. Like the mic, the microphones confused me. Yeah. And I saw, I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan Holiday. Okay. Uh, he's, he's an author that he, he has a podcast yes. called The Daily Stoic. Yeah. He interviewed Matthew McConaughey. And okay. I like both those guys. And yeah. They did a podcast. They look like you and I with two yeah. plug-in headphones. Yeah. 
And I'm like, if it's good for That's McConaughey, it. I'm going to do the play. Right. If it's good for McConaughey, it's good for us. Totally. Absolutely. I don't yeah. need a $700 microphone. So no. okay. anyway, so I, Not when I spin all. my wheels, I'm, I, I don't spin my wheels. Right. Yeah. And I uh, think that a lot of people, um, move up from there too. And and they don't have to, you know, mm-hmm. like it's totally an option, but I think, like you said, the most important thing is to just start. That's it. It's like, just start with what you have and we all have this stuff. So yeah. There's a fear in there. Right. So yeah. if someone says, I have no idea what I would, what, what my podcast would be on. I have no, yes. I would love to have a podcast, but what the heck would I talk about? Or yes. what would you say to someone like that? So that is, that's really where the work comes in too. You know, it's like, that is a moment where you have to interrogate yourself because it's, that's not something I I think that that step in the process. And we do spend, you'll remember in the workshop, we spend a fair amount of time on that development process of the concept. And I think first things first, don't overthink things because it doesn't have to be the, like you, you mentioned it. There's in the number, every time I talk, every time anyone talks every day that goes by, there's more and more podcasts in existence. You know what I mean? When we first started the workshop, there was a million. Now there's 2 million, 3 million, whatever. The number is crazy. So don't think before I start my podcast, I have to have this idea that nobody else has this concept that's never been done before, because unfortunately it has been done before. And I just was talking with a friend and he said the exact same thing. Anyone, because I was interviewing a friend and he's going to be involved in the next podcasting workshop more on that. But I was asking him, you know, what advice would you give to my students in the podcasting workshop? Literally like for, I want to pass this on to my students in the podcasting workshop. He was like the thing everyone needs to know the landscape is more crowded than it's ever been. It's only going to get more crowded. So the thing is it has to be quality like Dunkin' Donuts. This is what he used. I'm stealing this exactly from him. He was like Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks both make coffee. He was like, one of them makes better coffee. People drink both those coffees. One of them just happens to be better. So the question is not, is your idea never been done before? It's, are you going to do it in a way that is quality and that is going to make people want to listen? So to me, I think you really, and the only way to be quality is to be real with yourself about what you're interested in doing, you know, because if you're going to do, you know, better than anybody, 50 episodes is a lot of time. It's a lot of work. And if you select something, if you select a topic or a concept that you are not genuinely interested in, it's going to show. And then it's going to start really feeling like work. You know what I mean? And so you just need to come up like, honestly, like, how did you come up with the idea for your show? What was your process? Uh, It was one of the weeks of the cohort and Mm -hmm. we went in and like, what would we do? What what would I call it on? So I I started off, I thought it was going to be called like evolve or die. Like I love to learn. So I'm like evolve or die. And I went there's 700 evolve or dies, like on the podcast. Really? (laughs) Exactly. Somehow I came up with uh, build your life. I came up with built, not born. I like, there were a couple, there were a couple podcasts there, but one Mm -hmm. thing you mentioned, there's like this graveyard of three podcasts and done out there, right? Yeah, exactly. There's like so many times, so easy to say I have a podcast, so easy to do one, two, with three, but exactly. then people die after the third episode. Yeah. Fourth, it's not fun anymore. Right. I think Seth said like the first one's fun. Yeah. The second one, like the third one, you better know, you better have yeah. it. You're not going to go past the exactly. third one. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't find a built, not born one past yeah. three episodes. So like, three really? Yeah. yeah. I just said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to outlast the other ones. I just yeah. had a promise to myself. Uh, I think I'm the first built not born to 50 episodes. Yeah. No, uh, so, that's a good point. A lot of them do just die. So yeah. And you mentioned consistency too, because you yeah. want you want to be real to yourself. You have the interest in it and the passion, but you got to keep showing up at a certain time, right? Exactly. You have to keep showing up at a certain time. And I think 
that involves from the very get-go. And obviously things, which is another thing we talk about in the workshop, things are always adjustable and changeable and you use the word evolving. And mm-hmm. so if you do something, if you pick a topic or a concept for your podcast that after three episodes, you realize this really isn't working, you can change it, you know, mm-hmm. and you can always change. And I think the thing that you're bringing up about consistency to me also, I think a lot about sustainability in terms of production. So like, if you have an idea for a podcast and it's like a weekly podcast, but every episode takes a month to produce, like Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense. You know, like you have to, and it also goes back to what we were saying of not spinning your wheels, like doing something that is doable and sustainable for it to be. I, I think it's like kind of path of least resistance kind of thing. Like be realistic about what you're able to do and what you're able to produce and go from there. Another thing I stole from yeah. you from that, from the cohort yeah. is I do an intro. Like I'll do like a two minute intro to, to start this off. I'll do yeah. it after I listen to the episode and edit it up. Yeah. And I, my rule is two takes. After yes. two takes, it's it, it, one of them I'm using. Like exactly. It, it, I don't do it 17 times. Like, yes. I, know, I, I know when I do this, like, I, there's pressure on me. Or I yeah. put myself because after two, I'm using one of these. I, I got to move on. I love that. I love that because after 17, the only person who could tell the difference would be you anyway. Yeah. So that's a good rule. I might borrow that for the next workshop. How yeah. about the one thing I really was surprised with the podcast workshop? Yeah. The power of learning from community, the yes. instant feedback that you yeah. would get to be open to feedback, mm-hmm. receive it, but mm-hmm. not get offended, but actually evolve from that. Can you Absolutely. mention that? Can you speak yeah. to the power of that learning in community with an open yeah. mind? So the podcasting workshop, it was developed. Seth and I, Seth basically approached me and said, I have this idea to maybe start a workshop to teach podcasting. Would you be interested in doing it with me? Of course I said, yes. I had no idea about what an online course involves anything. I was starting from zero, you know what I mean? Starting from scratch. And there was very much a point where Seth was like, okay, get to work on the lessons and then show me kind of what you have. And a couple of weeks went by and I wasn't doing nothing. I was just working and spinning my wheels and doing all this stuff. And kind of, I would be like, Oh, I'm going to send you something. I'm going to send you something. And then he finally had to call me and check in and be like, I know that you're sitting there spinning your wheels. Like just do it, just send it to me. Like just send it to me. And that was an important moment because it was kind of, I guess, embodying what we talk about here is like, you know, sets a ship, just ship it, just do it, just make some progress and move on. But during that process, he was the one who kind of taught me about the value of learning and community, because that's something that he's done previously with other Akimbo workshops and with his Alt MBA course. And that was very much, I think, me coming from a more traditional model of education in terms of I went to a university, then I went to journalism school, quite traditional path to radio, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The idea of learning from your peers rather than learning from a professor was something that I was like, well, why would any, like, why would I care what my peer has to say about this when they're on the same level as me. I want to hear from the expert. I want to be hearing from the professor. You know what I mean? And that is so not the case. Like it's so important to hear what your peer has to say when they're on the same level as you, because not only are they, to me, it's also very helpful to have just an additional ear. Like when you're doing something, especially podcast production in a total vacuum, I think that's a lot of times where the anxiety can stop you, you know, because it's like, I'm so into this and so involved in this. And I have no idea whether it even makes sense to an outside person. Does this even make any damn sense? And so when you have people who are on, and as we always say in that workshop, on the same journey as you throughout the process, you're constantly, every, like literally every day, five days a week, checking in 
with people who are on the same step of the process as you. And you're getting that feedback. You're getting even something as simple as like your theme song sounds like Christian rock. Like, you know, it's so it's silly and it's funny. And it's like, but that is so valuable because there are a million things I just don't hear when I'm listening by myself and I need other ears. And so I think in addition to the value of the feedback, it's also momentum. It's like when I'm doing a project by myself in a vacuum, I can easily, and I do sit there and I'm like, I could just do this part tomorrow. There are no deadlines. There are no grades. There is no outside factor that's forcing you to do this. And so the only thing that can kind of help you along on those hard days and through that process is the cohort and is the community that you're with. And so that's why I think it is so valuable to have that group because it just keeps you going. Everyone like, cause you might be having an off day being like, I don't feel like doing this interview today. I don't feel like editing my podcast today. And that's when, you know, the person in your group in the workshop is going to say, like, let's talk about this. I'll help you out. And then you help them out the next time they're having a hard time. So it's very much group momentum, group feedback. And it's, it, I, I was shocked by how effective that method of community, of, education and communication is. Yeah. And it's almost like that positive peer pressure. Like you're being held accountable, not by some professor, but like a peer viewer. So like, dude, where's your work? I thought you said you'd have this done by now. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Coach Steve, Coach Steve, always keeping you on track. I know. Next, Where's this at? Like you said, this would be here. And and, and it's almost like, it's not like you didn't get the grade or you didn't get the certificate. You're just, Mm -hmm. they're just like, wow, man. Like like you, like you let them down. Like, okay. Exactly. even something I know, like little things I struggle with, like what's your pod art when you post it to like yeah. Spotify and all the yeah. other services. And like I had one, it was so horrendous, but I just put something together. Yeah. And then literally I would post it in the morning, go to work, come home. I'd have feedback. I'd tweak yeah. it, post it in the morning, come home from work yeah. the next day. Three days later, I had pod art because I had right. like 27 people commenting within like when I would go to work and come back. Exactly. And like, make this bigger, make this smaller, make it red. Right. I like black better. I don't like the green. Yes. And then like at the end of the week, I'm like, I had 27 people say that one. And I'm like, I could never do that on my own. I'm literally, I feel like I'm going to like, you're going to have to send me this audio and I'm going to cut that little part because you said it better than I could. That's like a real world example of like, yes, that it literally helps you make your stuff better. 27 people from all different countries, like Australia and West Coast, East Coast. And they all give their take on it. Then when you start seeing people from all over the world say the same thing. Yeah. I like the blue one better. I like the yes. blue one better. I like the blue one yes. better. I'm like, it's the blue one. Even if I exactly. like the green, right. yeah, it's, it's so cool. How about like what, um, moving on towards yeah. to the food for thought. That's yes. something that Oprah said in 2019, one of the best book podcasts, which yes. is, that's amazing. Tell us about how that got started and maybe a learning from that. I mean, putting yeah. that together and getting that, those kind of what was, what were yeah. the lessons, learnings from that. I mean, so many life lessons from that. I think out of all the shows that I've worked on, that's one of the ones I'm really most grateful for because I found the host of Food for Thought through just a listserv, like really just like there's a radio listserv that um, I saw a posting that said looking for a producer for this podcast. It sounded interesting to me. I ended up meeting up at a bar in Brooklyn with one of the hosts and got into the recording studio with them. And I mean those hosts are my, like, they're really like my family now. You know what I mean? Those are some of my best friends in the whole world. And we have created this podcast together. We're on season five right now, episode 42 of season five, because we ended up getting roped into a 52 episode contract, which is a whole other episode of everything. But like, it's just a lot. We have been in this for a long time since like 2016. 
And I think the main learning of that is just kind of the power of community within a show as well. So there's like the five of us, there's four hosts and me, and we have, we've gone on tour. We've done hundreds and hundreds of episodes together, live shows everywhere. And throughout all of it, like, you know, it kind of, there's drama involved when you're doing something for five years with five people who have all strong personalities. It's almost like my friend who's a musician says it's like being in a band, you know? Cause mm-hmm. I think there's so many classic stories of bands having the internal drama, breaking up, like all that stuff. Yeah. And there is that, but like when you overcome that, you guys, there's such a strong bond that's formed. Like yeah. there's such a strong bond of working that closely together week by week, making something that people love. And I think that show is definitely one. I work on a lot of kind of niche shows in a lot of ways. And that show is still niche. It's a, it's a queer book podcast, really. And, but that was a show that came just at the right time, 2016. It was one of the early kind of queer podcasts. And we have an incredible fan base. Really, that's one of the shows that I work on where the listeners get in touch with us and say, you know, like Food for Thought actually changed my life. Like I tune in every single Sunday and I find my community in the podcast and I changed my mind about certain things because of the podcast. And so getting feedback from listeners about that show is, is really powerful too. And after five seasons, you do, it does, we are at the point where we're like, how much longer are we going to go? You know, like it's, it's like, so that's very much a question now, but not in a way of like where it's contentious. It's just like, when has it run its run its course, you know? And so we've had like a really good run. It's been amazing. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. That yeah, is yeah, awesome. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I want to move on to the part of the interview we call Share Your Secrets. So yes, our yes, listeners yes. can get to know you a little bit more as a person. Okay. Looking back of all the all the creative work you've put forward, all the successes that you had yeah. going through COVID, uh, what's the biggest challenge you ever have faced? Mm, okay. The biggest challenge I ever faced, I think... I think it really was a challenge that I think a lot of people faced and it was continuing on with this work and doing this work through COVID really, especially through the beginning of COVID. And I think it was a question of when you're as a podcast producer, I love being in the studio with people. I love being in real life with the people I'm working with doing live shows, like doing stuff that's that's really feeding you in real life at the time. And I do think that myself, I think literally everybody dealt with this, like in the pandemic, when we couldn't see people and we were doing everything remotely, it kind of felt like one of those things, like, why am I even doing this anymore? Like, like nothing matters. Why am I doing this? I'm stuck in my house. It was also a question of when you had nothing to do at the beginning of the pandemic, all I was doing was working just like nonstop working. And it was like very much burnout and all that. And so I think overcoming that period of the work was a challenge that somehow I think it, it definitely made our company stronger and it made our work stronger, but it was definitely hard overcoming that. I bet. No, thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. How about with everything you got going on with yeah. your business and uh, with all the different productions you have going yeah. on when you need to clear your mind or, and recharge your body? Yeah. What do you do? So I love, I love exercising. (laughs) I love going for a run. I love just, I I live right by Prospect Park. I love Mm -hmm. going for a long run in Prospect Park. I love, if I can, my number one, absolute number one thing would be going in the water as Mm -hmm. we talked about. So like somehow making it over to Reese Beach in New York, it's like Mm -hmm. such a trek getting to the beach. But honestly, on a more, just in a real way, um, I like to smoke a joint as well. I just like to smoke a joint, clear my head and listen to some music. You know what I mean? Like if I've had a long day, 
that's what I'm going to do at the end of the day. I'm just going to do that. It kind of just like disconnects you, you know, like changes the reality. And that's my, that's kind of my go-to. What do you do? I do. So jujitsu, I do two things, yoga and Brazilian jujitsu. And I just hit 50. So now like with jujitsu, when you're trying to spar with 25 year olds, I need yoga to make sure the pieces are still there. Yes. 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 Jujitsu back and forth. Yes. Okay. And I, and I love the read. And the other time I just love mm-hmm. reading. I try mm-hmm. to spend a good half hour, 40 minutes every day reading a good book. That's so good. Speaking of books, do you have a book that influenced your life or changed your mind more than any other? Do you have a favorite book? Ooh. Oh my God. This is one of those things where I feel like not when you, when somebody asks you, then it just disappears. I, I definitely have favorite books. At the time, I think a book that definitely changed my, I think it's not, this isn't necessarily a book that I'm like, this is a book I go back to and it changed my life trajectory, Mm -hmm. but more books where I learn things about people or communities or ways of life that I didn't fully understand. And so for instance, actually, Tommy Pico is one of the hosts of Food for Thought and he's an indigenous poet and his book of poetry called Junk, basically it's poems but it really captures kind of like modern life on a reservation and like what families go through and the impacts that kind of everything in our country that has done to indigenous people, what that has meant. And so it's not like I was reading a textbook about that, but rather getting it through poetry and through first person experiences, like very much changed my life in the sense of, I guess, just understanding what that is all about. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like understanding what the impacts of all of that are, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so there are books rather than that one book, I do have books where in periods, it kind of transports me and teaches me things that I never understood. No, what about you? I, so I love my favorite book of all time. I read every day. I love page a day books. Yeah. Right? And uh, there's one by Ryan holiday called the daily stoic. Have you ever okay. heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it. I, I want to send like it to I follow, you. Was like it, that IG account or something. I feel like I follow a daily stoic Instagram account. Yeah, that's it. He has He's got that. Yep. Okay. Okay. I think think him and Seth have the same publisher. Oh, Uh, they have the same, or at least editor. Uh, They both spoke about the same editor that they have. Oh, interesting. Okay. And uh, Nikki or somebody or something like that. I'll definitely uh, check it out. But I love the page of day books. And the other page of day, I go back to. I use uh, Seth's oh, book, The Seth's Practice. Book. Yeah. It's like 200 posts. I just read one a day yeah. just to clear your head. Like, don't worry yeah. about the numbers. Just right. ship every day. Something like that. I use how Seth's is he book. so wise? I don't, I, I'll never understand how one person has all that wisdom, but he does. That's just pretty crazy. How right? most, most high achievers have a routine, either the start yeah. their day or end their day. Yeah. What's your daily routine look like? Oh, I love a routine. I absolutely hate to be outside of my routine. Like I finally just realized I can't even book vacations. I, I shouldn't book vacations for much more than 10 days. Cause that's like my limit. This Italy trip I'm booking that I told you about is like two weeks and I'm already a little stressed, but I have to just let go. So my routine, actually, like you said, I wake up. First thing I do is make my little iced coffee. Don't turn my phone on. My routine is very much like I do not turn my phone on until I have done my coffee. And then I do 20 to 25 minutes of yoga, EckhartYoga.com. It's like I have my little subscription. It's amazing. Do my yoga and then like gradually begin to check my emails and check my phone. But I love Mm -hmm. having that kind of hour, hour and a half where I don't do that. And then really it's, I basically work until around one 
take a walk. I did very, very much into breaking up the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So take a 45 minute hour long walk. I've been very into like board games recently, not necessarily board games, but analog games. So like mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot of backgammon. I've been playing a lot of boggle. I've been playing a lot of to take breaks, doing those things that are not on the computer. Cause a lot of my work is very computer based. And then almost on the dot at exactly five 30 or six, whenever I'm done with work, I will go for a run, do a little YouTube workout in the pandemic. I used to be a gym girl, but I am like everything I need is on YouTube. Cause also yeah. I think it's, if you don't lift weights or whatever, like a lot of people I know who lift weights are like, I need to be in the gym. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, I probably will never join a gym again. So I do my little exercise and then do whatever it is I'm going to do that night. Now that I'm back in New York city, I've been going to the opera. I've been going to a lot of nice. like art stuff, plays, museums, operas, music stuff. But my like my morning till five or six routine, it's pretty like rigid. It's the best. Uh, it's that, that, yeah. that morning routine. You, when you get it right, the rest of the day. Just exactly. Falls, right? I know. I know. Uh, you mentioned the COVID. You mentioned the shutdown, the yeah. pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. What's your biggest lesson learned from the, the two year shutdown? So my biggest lesson really is it's actually so once again, I'm going to say it sounds so corny because it's the title of a yoga practice that I do. And it's called life is only available in the here and now. And I think really through COVID, the idea of truly working towards being present has been extremely impactful because there is this way in which in this new era, it is literally impossible to make plans. Like you cannot make a plan in COVID because if you make a plan more than three weeks out, like it is just no, even three weeks, even a week, like there's like when those variants start hitting, like it could be next week that everything is going to be absolutely a question of really not, it's not lowering expectations, but basically literally just like living day to day because I very much. And as you can probably tell from my routine discussion, like I love planning. I love planning. I love like all of that stuff. And so anyway, in, in the beginning of COVID, I would kind of make all these plans for the future and then get super frustrated and disappointed when it wouldn't happen. Yeah. And now it's very much just worry about right now and don't worry yeah. about what's going to happen tomorrow. So that's, that's it. so good. There's <laughs> such power in focusing on the present moment yeah, and just maximizing is. what's right in front of you, right? It really is. Absolutely. And so that has pay- been positive out of all the tragedy, you know? Because if we plan something seven weeks from now, yeah. it's like it's laughable because you it's don't laughable. know variant or whatever, how crazy exactly you don't. That is such a like a pipe dream that you yes. plan something seven weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah. If you could take care of something in the moment, you take care yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So that was my- if everyone could take one lesson yes. away from everything we discussed, yes, what would it be? It would be it would go back to what we were talking about. It would be just do your creative project, the creative project that you've been thinking about. Cause you know, this, we talk about it in the workshop. A lot of people who come through the workshop come through and say, they've been thinking of doing a podcast for the past year, past two years, past five years. They've been thinking about it. They've been mulling on it. Like, have you, if you've been thinking about doing your blog, if you've been thinking of doing a short film, if you've been thinking of doing an art piece, like just, do it. And it kind of goes back to that staying present thing. Stop thinking of all of the obstacles in your way of doing that project that you want to do and doing that creative endeavor that you want to do and figure out what you can do right now. Be honest with yourself. What do you have right now? Do you need to go out and get paints and a canvas or whatever you need to do that's within your power to do today? Do that. 
because the more excuses you make, it's just not going to happen. Like you are just not going to do it. And you are going to constantly, and I've been here with projects, like where the longer you put it off, you're like, that was a stupid idea to begin with. Why should I even do it? It's just the excuses compound and compound and compound. So just do the project, just do the project that you were thinking of doing. Just, just take the first step, find out yeah, what the first the step first is step. The find out the and just do step. the first step today. Exactly. Tomorrow, do the first the step today. Step. I know that I'm far from the first person to say that advice, but yes, Go that's out. the advice. That's awesome. How about when you look out to the year ahead, we're recording yeah. this in May, 2022. Yeah. Uh, you look out to the year ahead. What's the most exciting project you're working on now? It's the one that I, it's definitely the, hmm. So there's a combination of, I think I mentioned it to you before. I'm working on a podcast that I'm hosting. That's actually kind of focused on the podcast industry and and talking to people in the podcast industry, exposing it, showing the great things and the bad things about it, but basically being a resource for podcasters and people outside of that. But Mm -hmm. as part of that, I'm planning a domino sound festival. So basically a day long programming IRL programming that will be audio focused. It's going to be podcasts, potentially podcast live shows, music performances, poetry readings, tarot readings, who knows what else, but it's going to be, I want to, I'm like really excited about the idea of creating an in-person gathering with podcasters and artists that can be an amazing day long event for people. So that's what I'm most excited about. It's very much in this seed of the process, but mm-hmm. you know, that's awesome. That we'll see. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Last two questions yeah. wrapping up here. Yeah. One, this is a fun one. If you could yeah. spend the day with any historical figure alive or dead, who would it be? Uh, any historical figure alive or dead. Damn, this one's hard. <laughs> okay. You know what? This is a bad one because I do spend time with him, but I love spending time with Seth Godin. I would spend my day with Seth. I would choose to spend my day with Seth Godin. That sounds like a good dad. I would yeah. love to do that. Like, yeah. So I was at the Chelsea market once four okay. years ago, right before, yeah. like two years before the pandemic. Uh-huh. And I'm in there and Seth's in there. It's before the podcast workshop. Are I mean, you serious? Seth walks right through where the bookstore is. No way. Oh my gosh, there's Seth. I, I, I read his blog for the last 10 years. Yeah. And I literally run up to him and I was like, I know like a fourth grade girl when Justin Bieber walks by. I can't. Right? I walked up and I, I like, I'm like, just like, thank you for your work. Like it was the most incoherent oh, sentence. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. thank you. Get away from me and walked away. No, he was probably so appreciative. <laughs> That's so down. sweet. What That's good that dude. you did that. I'm glad you said something. But uh, so, but anyway, that's yeah. my South Carolina story. Yes. But uh, wrapping up here, Alex, what would you say to that person who said they would love to have a podcast, but they have no idea what it would be about? They, they're afraid to put their voice out there. They, they don't know they could ever understand the tech. What right. would you say to that person? I would say go to podcastclub.link and sign up for the podcasting workshop. And that's not even a plug. That's not even meant to be a plug. And if you don't want to do that, find a community somehow. Like really just like there are very much communities online. I don't know about Reddit. I don't I don't go on Reddit. But like someplace there are listservs, there are resources, there are things online, there are places in your town, in your city, in your area. Find a community to do that with. I think the podcasting workshop is great because it's all built in. You know what I mean? Like it's once again, kind of takes all the guesswork out of it because it does it for you. So I would definitely try to find a community, find an online workshop or an in-person workshop, but preferably the podcasting workshop that's taught by Seth and I. I'm sorry. That is so turnkey. That's from start to finish. So you are on, uh, yeah. Yeah. There. 
Last question. Yes. Alex De Palma. Yes. If you had to get a quote or a saying tattooed on your body, uh, what would that quote or motto say? Okay. I think it would be the quote that I just said. Life is only available in the here and now. Wow. It really, really is. And that's the only thing. That's all we can do. That's all we can focus on. And if I had to, honestly, that's what it would be. Wow. Life is only available in the here and now. What would yours be? You know, I, great quote. You're the first one to ever ask me that. Thank you for asking really? me that. Yeah. No <laughs> one ever asked me that. No, I don't know that. No one's ever asked me a question before on the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Mine would be action crushes fear. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I like that. that. I like that. You hit that publish button. There's yeah. nothing that gets that fear out of your way than just yeah. posting it's it. It's giving a little doom, like fear is the mind killer thing. Yeah. yeah. Killer, yeah. Okay. But you said okay. life is only available in the here yeah. and now. Yeah. I, I think that is about as good as a spot as any yeah. to end. Alex uh, Palma, I'd like to thank you for joining thank us. Thank you so much. It was such a great conversation. Thank you for asking me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to have you as a 50th guest. Congrats uh, on episode 50. That's major. That's really right. major. It, it would, uh, zero possibility without the work of you, if, without your help and coaching. So thank you. Yeah. Um, what, so Alex, if people are looking for you in the Kimbo mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all the great stuff you do at Domino Sound online, mm-hmm. where can they find you? My website is www.dominosound.co, no M. You can find all the information there. And there's also links to the podcast workshop on my website. So podcast workshop, you can find when you go into dominosound.co. Or you can also just, I I believe the website is podcastclub.link. Okay. Is what directly will take you to the podcast workshop. And And it's actually really exciting because the 11th cohort is starting in September. So we've already done 10. 11, like we're kind of refreshing the content, bringing some new people in. There's going to be a lot of changes in the 11th edition because, you know, we've already done 10. So it's kind of time to do a little refresh. So 11 is probably going to be better than ever from my perspective. So definitely check out the 11th cohort, which is starting in September. And starting in September. I will yeah. put all of these in the show notes. Amazing. Thank you. Alex, I would thank like to you thank so you so much. For, thank you for everything. Thank it was great to talk with you. Thank Thanks, you so much. Joe. All right. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye.